Okay, welcome back, everybody. Episode two of EPL State of Mind. Some outstanding reviews on the first one, obviously. And we're excited to get here on the second with the Halfway Hopes and Horrors. I don't know about you guys, but uh, one thing I love about the platform that we're using right now is we get to see where our podcast is listened to or viewed across the globe. And I was absolutely shocked. I think we got to touch upon this because this is these are some crazy numbers. We have obviously our number one listener uh, or group is in the United States of America, but we have 18 countries outside of the U.S. that tuned into episode one. Now, we could go on a list here, so I got to give a shout out to the guys that are listening in in no specific order, but we have listeners in Ghana, uh, Uganda, Belgium, the UK, Kenya, Malta, India, Nigeria, Australia, South Korea, People's Republic of China, Turkey, Zimbabwe, the Republic of North Macedonia, Argentina, Honduras, Spain, and Ireland. Couple of those are massive shockers. Others, uh, not so much. But my God, guys, what are your, what are your thoughts? Isn't that something crazy? Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm glad we got that Irish listener. That was a big one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other than that, it's it's an honor, privilege that people from around the world are actually tuning in and listening to what we have to say about this amazing sport. Absolutely, our second highest crowd is actually in Ghana. We have seven listeners in Ghana. I think it might just because I love Thomas Party so much, and it's just an Arsenal all around podcast. But I mean, that's really great. So a big shout out to everyone who listened. I really appreciate it. We all do here at EPL State of Mind. And and hopefully it wasn't just a quick passing. You tuned in for the whole thing. And obviously, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, our email is uh, EPLStateOfMind at gmail.com. So we'll take any questions or comments that you guys have. And, you know, if you keep up with us, we'll, we'll definitely get a couple tags in there for you. So outstanding. Uh, over 200 downloads from 18 different countries. So I'm super stoked with the immediate results there and it's only going to get better. So good job, Sean. Good job, Kyle. Um, thank you guys for putting in the work for this so far. So excited to talk about halfway hopes and horrors. We got a few good segments coming up for you right now. Okay, just like last week, we're going to start off with some hot news to keep up with the trend of giving you something a little bit outside the league. We got something real hot that just happened this week. And uh, for you, those who don't watch the Serie A league, it is a very entertaining league as well. A lot of great clubs there. Napoli, one of the best in the world at the moment in Champions League and whatnot. But the news from Serie A this week is Juventus. Uh, they were sitting in third place at the start of the week and just recently received a 15-point deduction in their race to the title and in, uh, into European soccer. Kyle, I know you looked into this a little bit more. Can you kind of give us a reason or what's going on with you, Juve? Yeah, I mean, well, like you said, Naples, that's one of my favorite countries, uh, cities, regions, whatever you want to call it. It's where my family comes from, way back where. But, uh, yeah, Juventus, I mean, you got to love it, but you got to hate it. They just went from third to tenth. They dropped 15 points because they broke fair play rules. Fair play rules. There we go. Um, it's the new sanctions by the FFP, which is the UEFA Financial Sustainability, and they are just coming in and not holding their punches. They lied about how much money they were spending versus how much money they were bringing in. And for those who don't know how financial fair play works, they're allowed to spend as much money as their team generates. I mean, it's not one-to-one, -one, but it goes by ticket sales, jersey sales, you know, concessions, this, that, the other thing. And they were just straight lying. So basically what happened was the director of their organization is fully suspended right now for two and a half years. He's actually, actually, I misspoke. He's the director of Tottenham's organization. He works with Juventus in Italy. So he is banned from all Italian soccer right now. Um, they are trying to prosecute him to keep that ban moving to England. But as of right now, he is still eligible to be the director of Tottenham, which is nice because, you know, he, he went over there. He did some shady stuff, but he would never mess with the best league in the world. No one would. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what's going on there, James. They, they need to start talking more about the truth. They can't inflate their sheets, and they have to be truthful. It's, you know, it's... It's a transparent world for soccer. They need to be factually correct. Unless you're owned by um, 
you know, a Qatari prince like Man City, then you can just make whatever you get for your revenue and it's, and flout financial. Well, fair that's play. our privilege. Yeah, no, it's fine. You don't financial fair play only applies to the poor clubs, though. Yeah, so for for you viewers, uh, the new financial fair play rules, which are considered the UEFA susta uh, financial sustainability, will be in effect in June. So this might be a little foresight into what we see coming across all of the UEFA, UEFA leagues. Um, Juventus is going to appeal this. They do feel that the 15-point deduction was a bit harsh, so they're appealing it for, I believe, they're going to it, the 9-point deduction, which they were, but it does put them out of reach for a lot of European soccer poten potential. So that's, you know, our hot news for outside of the EPL today, but a lot of exciting things that happened today, specifically with Harry Kane, staying at Spurs, not staying at Spurs, putting up a massive goal. Sean, take us through that process. Yeah, so um, today Spurs beat Fulham at Craven Cottage uh, to keep hold of fifth place, and Harry Kane scored number 900, and, or excuse me, 199, uh, in the Premier League, just one away from 200, and also tied Jimmy Greaves for the all-time club record for Tottenham in all competitions with 266. But just looking at the last couple of games that Tottenham played previous to this, is he going to stick around? I mean, my thoughts are at this point, it might be better off to let him go and reinvest the, you know, the transfer fee that you could get this summer for him. Um, they have a, a lot of issues that they need to fix. I would argue that they could upgrade a goalkeeper. They could upgrade a two spots on defense. One, uh, Eric Dyer at, at center back, and then uh, Emerson Royale at, at right back. Both could be upgraded. Uh, disappointed that our boy Jed Spence hasn't got a lot of playing time after uh, getting Forrest a great promoted. Season at Forrest. Yeah, yeah, he was great last year in the championship, but hasn't seen a lot. But personally, I think... Um, the best thing for Harry Kane and maybe the best thing for Spurs is for them to part ways this summer. But it, it'll definitely be something to monitor. And I think if they're not in Champions League, he's got to go. Um, who's going who's gonna to take him? I mean, his price tag right now with his last year, next year contract-wise, you know, Levy's going to try to offload him, I think, uh, for a substantial amount of money somewhere around the 100 mil mark if we have someone coming in from, uh, you know, Shakhtar that we don't know for 100 mil. Harry Kane, who's highly established, who who's going to buy him, and what do you think his cap is going to be? I could see it being Man United. Um, I know we were talking about that offline that that's, that's a potential uh, destination. Newcastle potentially too. I know Kyle, that's one you you're interested by. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they have the money for him, and they're I mean they're performing at a very high level right now. So I don't think Harry Kane would have any issues going to Newcastle. No, I agree. You know, that's an area that right now Newcastle are lacking into the goal department. They are very solid in the back. Guy knows goals. Could be a match made in heaven. I don't think he wants to leave the Prem, so some good points there. I mean, at this rate, would you be surprised if Chelsea forked over the money for him? <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely don't have a new <laughs> they don't have enough new strikers or wingers or anything like that. Which reminds me and segues perfectly into the next hot news here is Chelsea. Like you said, Kyle, signed another striker. And I am apologizing to him, his family, everyone who knows right now <laughs> because the name is about to be butchered. And that is a one Noni Maduika. And that, you know, I threw a little flair on that to make it sound better than what it was actually probably going to come out to be. But Sean, can you, can you give us some justification on that? Give us a little bit of salvation. Yeah, I don't know who Noni Madueke is, but Noni Madueke is a uh, right winger and center forward from PSV Eindhoven uh, that was signed by Chelsea a few days ago over the weekend. I believe it was Saturday. Um, like I said, center forward or winger um, actually was linking up really well with Cody Gakpo, who uh, recently made the move over to, to Liverpool. Um, but should be interesting. He's uh, a British international, so he's coming back home. Again, we talked about it last week quite a bit. There's just so many attackers at Chelsea right now. Um, I mean, just the, with the three new arrivals of Madueke, um, Aubameyang and Sterling in the summer, and then also Jao Felix and Mikhailo Mudrik, that's five just yeah. know, in the first six months of the season, or excuse me, five months of the season. So pretty insane. I just I don't see how they're going to make that sustainable over time i mean we talked about it last week there the fees that they are 
paying these clubs are outrageous. Although the past couple, the last three, I can't believe I have to say last three in the winter transfer window. Now, you, you don't really hear of a transfer window, a winter transfer window, as active as this one. So it's quite insane. But to keep the activity going in the winter transfer window, I am more than happy to say on our podcast that Arsenal have made a winter transfer window acquisition. They've made two. The one I'm going to talk about today had a cameo in the great game this weekend, and that is Leandro Trossard. And if you guys aren't familiar with him already, as you should, he was a rising star on Brighton for the past couple of seasons. He had a great first start of the season. Sean, you'll remember him as the guy who put three in against Liverpool, possibly starting a bit of a downfall for you guys. But this guy is a left winger or a striker. He's very energetic. He's great with the ball. There was a spell in the game this weekend that I think he went through, I want to say, four or five Man U players, not necessarily getting to goal, but just keeping possession, which is gigantic. And I have a, a love for Martinelli on that left side, so there's no way I'm, I'm replacing him, but it just shows that Arsenal sees and acknowledges we have a run here. We needed the depth. They went out. We got beat to Mudrick by Chelsea, but we weren't getting beat to him by, by them this time. So this was a huge win for Arsenal. They also brought in another Polish uh, center back, uh, you know, to get some more competitive edge between, you know, Saliba and uh, Gabriel. So I'm excited for that. So two great acquisitions. I hear rumors of a third coming in. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see what else Arsenal can possibly string together in this transfer window. But there's one thing that we can all agree on, and it's that this transfer window has been a special winter transfer window. I mean, you can just tell how excited I am talking about Arsenal right now, and we haven't gotten into the highlights yet. So I think it's perfect timing to pop right into segment number three, which is the highlights of the weekend. And I love the fact that I can talk for a segment. No one can interrupt me. No one can say otherwise. No one's going to, because Arsenal, without a doubt, is in form of the best team in the EPL. And if we lost that game yesterday i would say that we have some issues to figure out or some hope issues that are going to resurface but i am confident saying that we are the team to beat this year i know man city i'm scared of them as well but man you i was really really kind of concerned about how this game was going to go i almost would have preferred playing man city over the inform on the roll man you i know they took a little bit of a blunder midweek versus crystal palace boohoo they had an extra game to play during the week we didn't it's okay We'll, we'll survive, but it, it's just exciting. I'm super stoked about the highlights. If everyone didn't watch it, uh, Arsenal beat Man U in another thriller at, uh, at the Emirates Stadium. Uh, Man U went up one nothing by a very, very, very high-quality strike from Rashford, who's in Optimus Prime form. The guy can't be stopped. He's got nine goals in nine games post-World Cup play, which is incredible. Uh, luckily, not too far after that, Eddie Nketiah had a fantastic header finish from a left side cross from the one and only Granite Shaka, which was put on a silver platter for him. Juan Bissaka was sleeping. Uh, so, Eddie, congratulations on a great movement across the box. He's really got a nose for the nose for the goal. Excuse me. Where our equalizer didn't last long because then Saka answered with a rocket of his own from outside the box. You can't let this kid get on his left foot. I mean, the whole entire game, Luke Shaw was just eating his dust, giving him too much space. I mean, he played in the World Cup with this guy. You should know what he does. You can't give him his left foot. And Saka took full advantage of that. I mean, he created the most, I believe he created the most chances in the game on the left side, which was insane. And it was a, a class finish from Saka. Unfortunately, the lead didn't last too long going into the second half there. Um, Mar uh, I'm sorry, Martinez scored with a header goal. Now, ask me how the shortest guy on the field scores a loop of a header goal against the forest that is Arsenal's back line. It was a, a, a difficult kind of, uh, it should have been a pouch out, punch out. 
from Ramsdale, but unfortunately he went to kind of catch the ball and landed right in between Tamiasu and I believe Saliba and the ball just landed perfectly for Martinez. It wasn't an awkward position. So you have to give it to Martinez that he got it up over Gabriel who had got his head to it, but just too late and went to the roof of the goal. A very passionate celebration from him as well, throwing his body on the floor, sliding into the uh, away side celebration. So a lot of respect for Martinez on that, but who else but Eddie again? 90-minute goal to take all three points was incredible. I mean, I don't know if you guys were having heart attacks as much as I were having heart attacks, but it was an exciting, exciting game. Sean, what's like, um, what was the turning point for you in this one? What was the, your, your key takeaways? Because I could go for too long. Yeah, um, I did think that it wasn't necessarily Luke Shaw's fault for the soccer goal. I thought it was more so on Wout Veghorst, uh, the guy that they just signed on loan from Besiktas. Um, he was kind of able to, in my opinion, it looked like he, he could have cut off the half space. And like you said before, you know Saka's trying to cut in on that left foot. That's pretty much all he does, right? I mean, even though he did end up scoring a goal last week against Tottenham with his right, you want to force him down the line. You want to force him onto that right-hand side. There was acres of space for him to kick the ball past Erickson, run into space, and then, I mean, credit to him, tremendous finish. But I did not think um, – I was just disappointed that, that Weghorst wasn't, wasn't able to close him down there. I think that that was his responsibility. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, for his second game, right, Weghorst, he played against the, the previous game against Crystal Palace, didn't have too much – uh, action in that obviously from I believe it, that was a nil nil no I'm sorry it was a one one draw with another 90th minute goal which was set off of a free kick for Crystal Palace to take take that win or take the win away from Man U but Whitehorse he to me is just quite literally a very large band-aid to the problem that is a solo striker for Man United He's good. You could tell on possession. He didn't really turn the ball over. He stays up high, puts his body in between the two center backs, checks in when he's supposed to check in. Good off-ball movement, but he's not. he doesn't have the flair that I think you need to have with the your, your wingers that you have right now with Rashford. I mean, he, he needs someone to kind of play off of who's going to bring the energy to him as well. So I think Weghorst is a bit of a Band-Aid. I think we all kind of knew he was going to be a Band-Aid, especially since he's just alone for the remainder of the season. Um, but I, I wasn't overly impressed with his play, and I wasn't disappointed in his play. But, of course, I was mainly focused on every single glorious position and player that we have. And I want to just make another point here that I think a very – I don't think it's as well appreciated, but the player of Zinchenko for Arsenal. I mean, he was everywhere. If you look at a heat map of what this guy was playing, he was he would start at a left back. At one point, he was right right wing. Uh, he was playing center back. He was playing center mid. I mean, we have four center midfielders. We have Shaka, Party, Udegaard, and we have Zinchenko now on the left side. And he's just playing his heart out. And he's he, it shows. You see him screaming every five seconds at the crowd, at his teammates, and, and just pure passion. I think Zinchenko is one of the most underrated pickups that we might see in the whole entire season right now. So I was I was thrilled to be seeing him playing as well as he did. Um, you had Udegaard was another magical magical maestro in the center. There was at one point in the game that he did a little uh, one-two snake pass through in the box to Granite Shaka that was just out of Granite's reach. That would have solidified the victory for me. Um, you had everyone performing their hearts out in this game, and it just goes to show that you know even from a one nil deficit against the team that i think everyone was kind of like oh if they win this they're title contenders we we put up and we showed that you know yeah is it possible that arsenal can win this game yes is it possible they could win the title absolutely is it going to be very difficult 100 percent. it is not given to us at all you can tell that we have the most points at this halfway point than we have ever had as an arsenal team with 50 and that's only five ahead of Man City, which if you look at how many points Man City has right now and you compare it to the last 10 seasons, they're probably up there in first place position in almost all of those seasons. I mean, it's it, give or take, you know, a few in there, but 40, 45 at half is a hot number. And to be chasing a team that's at 50 is, is very impressive. So it's no, it's no means Arsenal's 
league to win fully, but it's definitely definitely a possibility. I'm very excited about it. Kyle, you've been quiet for the Arsenal game. Are you still are you scared now as a City fan? What are you kind of getting at here, man? I mean, you talked about Zinchenko. He's a product of City. I think he's looking more and more like a lefty Jao Cancelo every single day. He clearly played with him for years. But um, you're absolutely right. That guy is phenomenal. He's a lefty, which always adds to the mix. And, I mean, him and Saka, they just link up. Um, I think Saka is an extremely special player. He's confident. I think he deserves five-star skills in FIFA. <laughs> it's time. Um, and another lefty. I mean, can't speak enough about how valuable lefties can be to a team. Mm-hmm. But um, on the other side, you got to play cat and mouse. I mean, David De Gea, I think it's, it's the beginning of the end for him. I, he has been average at best as of late. I see him making errors, and I find myself not even surprised anymore. Just, oh, again, another one. Um, he is the only player in the Manchester United locker room right now taking a pay cut each week to hit 200000 per week. So I'm sure he's not super thrilled about that. And, you know, I, I still think Saka, wonder strike, all world goal. But he has no business scoring from there against the goalie as good as David De Gea claims to be. Yeah, it was it was a good shot, but I definitely think you throw Ramsdale in there. I know um, I know you'll love this one, Sean, but I even think Hugo Lloris gets to that. I think Allison gets to that. Ederson gets to that, although I'm not convinced that's how you pronounce his last name based off of the pun that's I hear. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. Those Thomas Edison. Noted he, he invented quite a, a lot, but I, I think, you know, Man, you kind of saw that in the cards, and they did a great pickup. They picked up Butlin from Crystal Palace, so I think that's a it's a great cop from them. Um, but I, if I'm a Man U fan, am I upset about the loss? Yes. Am I devastated by the loss? No. Does it make a lot difference? A, a lot more difficult for you to make an argument for a title chase? Absolutely. But I don't think anyone started in the beginning of the season said Man U is going to win the title. I don't think anyone said that about Arsenal either. But I don't think anyone was fully convinced that Manu was going to make a run like they did, especially at the beginning with all of the Ronaldo uh, issues or, or, or drama that was happening. But overall, uh, uh, this is a game that I would be more than happy to watch again from start to finish. A lot of high talent on that field on both both teams. It will be a lot of fun watching these two compete for the remainder of the season to see where they end up. I don't want to talk all about Arsenal. I mean, I do, but I don't want to talk all about Arsenal because we'll run out of time. But the, the next highlight that we have here for the weekend, I think, is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum here. And it's the battle at the bottom. We kind of featured it last episode, and it was the talk between West Ham and, and Everton. You know, luckily, West Ham's exiting the relegation zone for the time being. Um, so, Sean, what, I know you saw this game. I know you appreciate the battle that they had there. A lot of conflicting emotions as an Everton fan this week so there's two two hot takes here on this one it's it's the relegation battle of Everton the sacking of of Frank Lampard that happened today what's going on man yeah um I think it was a matter of time we talked about it a little bit last week that that Lampard was on the hot seat and if they didn't win this game that he was pretty much a goner um and, and that proved to be true got to give credit to Jared Bowen he had a first half brace that made the difference in this game Everton controlled the possession, but they really just did not create much in terms of chances. Um, and like I said <clears throat> previously, I think West Ham's a pretty strong team. I was surprised that they've been down in the relegation zone, considering the fact that you know they were qualified for uh, Conference League this past year. So it's it's a good squad. I, I was surprised that they've been down there for so long, and and I expect that they pull themselves out of out of it um, and take some momentum, but. Going forward, it'll be interesting to see who steps in at Everton. Um, not a good position to walk into. Not a very good squad. There's no clear answer um, at center back. And with Dominic Calvert-Lewin injured, they don't really have a go-to guy at striker either. So um, very interesting to see who, who they will bring in uh, to try to right the ship and, and stay up. Yeah, I mean, I think the only bright spot that Everton have right now is, is Gray. Right, I mean, he's been performing very, very well this season. Uh, he's a young player, mm-hmm. but you would hate to see these young players go down with a relegation battle. You know, you want to see them thrive. So it will be interesting to see what happens at Everton for the remainder of the season. I agree with you with the West Ham. I think they're. If I'm a West Ham fan, I'm not freaking out. I'm not hitting any panic buttons. 
unfortunately, you guys just acquired Danny Ings, who was going to be a very exciting signing for you guys. And he was a sub coming on. And I believe he exited the field with he picked up a knock. I don't know how severe it is, but I think we were talking about before an injury to his knee. Uh, and he just went through his medical a day before the game. So it will be interesting what they have there. I mean, they have Skamaka up top. He came over from Syria. I thought that he would be a very good answer to their forward issues and not even a large issue because you do have An Antonio uh, there who's who's very good too. But, you know, West Ham has the making of a good team. Obviously, you have one of the best center mids in the entire league with Declan Rice, but we think he's probably exiting the league, not the league, but exiting the team in the summer. Uh, transfer rumors have him going to Arsenal, uh, but you also have, of course, uh, Chelsea poaching them him from Arsenal as well. So, West Ham, we'll talk about where we think you are on the table in, in the next segment, but I think you guys are in an okay position. I think you'll you'll make the second half of the season yours. Final highlight of, or the highlight of the weekend, and I'll give it all to you, Kyle. You can start it from scratch, and it is Man City's W over Wolves, 3-0, and well, your boy. I mean, we're going to back up even further to their midweek game where they beat the Spurs 4-2. Um, we'll start it off with disappointment. I mean, they do not look like the same team. Yeah, they won the game 4-2. to two. They were down 2 to nothing at the half, came back, four goals unanswered. But I got to tell you, it looked bad. I mean, the first goal was on Spurs. I mean, they tried to clear it three times in their box, and it still fell to one of our guys' feet around the six-yard line, tapping goal. Second goal, I mean, that was nice. Erling Holland, classic goal header, but... Moving on, we got Perisic, gave us the third goal. I mean, he just swung and missed the ball for the most part at his foot. Gave it to our most informed guy at the time, which is Mares. And then he just did his magic, got a nice shot. Might have taken a little deflection, went right in their post, which I think is an error on the goalie. Should never score front post. That is goalie's job number one, cover that post. And then the fourth goal was a center back error. I mean, it was a clear ball from our goalie. He tried to take it off the chest, chested it halfway back to the goalie, and it was just a tap-in. So this is one of those games that Spurs lost and City did not win, but we get all three points. So I'll take it. I, I was I was going to say at some point I actually thought Perisic had a, a teal blue jersey on. I thought he was what, – what's the – no, it's not a teal blue. It's a uh, – It's baby blue. blue. Sky blue. It's all the it's blue. It's baby blue. I, I swear Perisic was playing for the other it team. It looked like it. And I was so excited when I saw that first half scoreline. I was at work, obviously, but I was so excited as a Gunners fan. But, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think it was Spurs' loss and and Man City's uh, lucky W. But yeah. keep going. I, mean, I know you want to talk about this week's game as well as weekend's game, rather. Yeah, I mean. Why are we talking about second place so much? <laughs> Where's Liverpool? <laughs> no, I was just curious why we're talking so much on second place. Well, in, in, in well, it'll be it'll be first place in about three to. Four oh hours. yeah, okay. I am nervous, but I'm not that nervous. I think you're more likely to drop points than Arsenal at this point. Agreed. But we'll see. Well, we'll see. I mean, that second game, it was a completely different team mm -hmm. out there. I mean, they fed Holland. I didn't mention it, but in the first game, Holland's goal was in the 52nd minute, and it was his seventh touch of the game. That's a touch every seven and a half minutes. It's not enough for a player like Erling Holland. So this game they fed him, and he had a hat trick by the 52nd minute this time, which is a little different. But uh, that gives him the all-time EPL record, first player to ever score four hat tricks in a season of the Premier League, and he is 20 games. His first in. season. It's Let his first season, in. Kyle. I mean, that's insane. First season. That's, that's astronomical it's, it's, numbers, it's and he's not slowing down. Yeah, I mean, they, it's crazy. The amount of passes this team completes each game. In the entire league, the top six passers, most passes completed per 90 minutes, are all on Manchester City. So they clearly move the ball around. I don't know why the top guy's not getting it. But, um, yeah, I mean, positives for the second game. They looked a little more like the City of Old. Pep said it in the interview after the first game. The reason Arsenal's in first right now is that they have fire, and Manchester City's extinguished their fire. They don't look like they're having fun out there anymore. So... You know, second game, a little bit different. We saw them celebrate that third goal, all smiles, hugging each other. That was great. They looked better. But, you know, it's still a work in progress. We got to keep it up if we want any chance of catching Arsenal and them Gunners. Yeah, you guys should just give up and focus on Champions League. I think that's what every City fan wants. So I, I just throw in the towel, focus on City and winning the Champions League, and, and I'll be happy about that. I think a lot of people will agree. Yeah, we might be able to figure something out. <laughs> well... 
I think it's time to hop into our next segment. So after a short pause, we're gonna come back and we're gonna get to our halfway hopes and horrors. Is your team doing as well as you hope they would, or are they making you cry before bed every night? We're about to find out what our opinions on each table position team right now, and we're just going to get into it. There's 20 teams. There's only three of us. We don't have all that time. We're going to roll. So I'll kick it off. We're going to go from bottom to the top of the table, and at sitting at 20th place right now, dead last, not dead last because they are tied with Everton, but it is Southampton. So we're going to be rating every team from a zero scale to five. And right now I have Southampton as a two. So ditto for Southampton. Last season, they finished in 15th, just above the relegation zone. No one was really expecting them to do very well. I, you know, honestly, I was, I thought they came up from the championship last year. I kind of forgot they were a team. So it's really nothing that you know, exciting. I think the only thing that we can really say about them is is James Ward Ward Prowse is probably one of the most exciting players set piece wise we talked about already, and he's one of the most exciting players in the league. Uh, one thing I will shout out to South South Southampton is they do have the second youngest squad in the Prem right now. Their average age is twenty five point one, and that's only less than a year older than the youngest squad of Arsenal at twenty four point seven. So if they can put together a little bit of a run here with the young talent they have, maybe they can get something going and make a bit of a, a you know a stand here in the Premier League for a couple more years to come. But Avis right now, I don't have too much good things to say about Southampton. So I'm giving them a two. So ditto for Southampton. Okay. Uh, Everton, I think we got to give them a zero. Um, you know, there was a kind of a turnaround when, when Frank Lampard took over last year, but... They really just have not kicked on. They do not create much. I think they're 19th or 20th in XG4. I think they're 19th in XG4 and 20th in XG against. So they're not creating a lot. They're also giving up a ton of chances. Um, very disappointing start to the year for them. I would highlight, and you mentioned him before, James, uh, Damari Gray has been really good. He's their leading scorer and assister. Helped uh, them take points off City with that banger of a goal he scored. So... I'd give them a zero. I think they've fallen completely flat on their faces uh, to start this year. Absolutely. And I do want to say before we pop into Bournemouth, you'll hear Sean. Sean loves XG. He'll talk about it all day long if he has to. And for those who don't know what an XG is, it's expected goals. So when you say expected goals for, it's when your team is on the pitch, you're expected how many plays would have or should have resulted in a goal. So that's XG4 and XG against would have been, you know, the opposite. I mean, I think we're all reasonably, uh, you know, intelligent people out there. So XG against would just be the games that you've played that you were expected to concede a goal. And that's XG. So the XG jar- darling himself, Sean. <laughs> um, and I just, the other thing I wanted to mention on Everton, the only thing that I think could help keep them up is Goodison Park, uh, one of the tougher places to play in the Premier League. Last year, despite Everton just barely surviving until the last day of the season, um, they had the 10th best re- uh, home record. So Goodison can be used to their advantage and, and hopefully help keep them Absolutely, up. absolutely. So Bournemouth, Sean. Yeah, just switching over to, to the Cherries. Um, I would say they're a three for me. They're about meeting expectations. Um I expected them to be relegated. To be honest, I thought they would be at the very bottom of the table. So, you know, I, I don't think they're on the level of either of the other teams that got promoted um, this past this past summer. Um, so I, I would say that they're about where we expected them to be. I don't know why, but I, I, I like Kiefer more. I, I, it might just because he's like six foot 20 million, but he I do <laughs> I do think if he can get cooking, for Bournemouth, I think he'll do pretty solid. Kyle, what you got for the Wolves? The Wolves, I have them as a one. I mean, they finished in 10th last year. 
they're in 17th this year and they're losing games to other teams that I mean I expect them to tie but you know they're dropping points I mean even today like or this weekend it was this weekend the city I was I was a little worried about Manchester City after 38 minutes, scoreless minutes I was like oh it's classic Wolves this is what they can do this is what they're capable of but they are not that team right now yeah it's tough you know Wolves are known for a very very solid defense but this year, they have a minus 18 goal differential right now, halfway through the season, which isn't the worst out there. There's a lot worse out there, uh, but they just don't have anything going up top. I mean, they have Ruben Neves, uh, who is a great center midfielder, who I think is linked to a lot of clubs now, especially in the summertime coming around. Jose Sa, great goalie, but you can only get so far off of the backs of two people. So I, I agree with you there, Kyle. It's a bit disappointing to see them with a a one rating we did uh hype up west ham sitting at 16th place after the win uh just before but you know they were sitting at seventh so i have them as a two as well so i I have them as ditto you know below expectations kind of disappointing i don't know if it's you know time to give up a moise yet but you know it's something's got to change i i see dark clouds in the future but there is the silver lining um, I think the biggest thing that's going to kind of hurt this team is next year losing Declan Rice. I don't think he's coming. It's a bit of a fall from grace for the squad, for the Hammers. Um, and one fact, I like to look at the club's ages a lot. It kind of gives me a forecast of, you know, ooh, are they on their last legs? Do they need to kind of start, you know, starting to uh, refabricate what their roster is going to look like? And right now, uh, they're the oldest squad in the Premier League with 27.9 years of age. And, you know, you don't want to be losing one of your younger talents of Declan Rice in the summer transfer window. So I would say that West Ham, you're you're looking okay. I think you'll survive, excuse me, survive. But for how long, I'm not sure. So I give you guys a two, another ditto. Um, I think this just su- summarizes how bad of a reader that you are, that you wrote the ratings from zero to five which is supposed to be doo doo, and you keep calling it ditto. It's supposed to be doo doo. I know. I think I. I think I, I was. Think, gonna, I went with ditto. I. I wasn't going to do doo doo, but I went with. Uh, so what, what is what is ditto? Ditto is like. Yeah, that's ditto. Not a word. You guys it's don't insane. know what ditto is. Ditto hey, is like ditto. it. You know, someone makes a comment. You don't have anything really to feedback, so you go ditto. Is that the bird from Ice Age? No. <laughs> that's, that's the, the dodo, dodo bird. bird. That's the dodo bird, of course, of course. All right. So, anyways, moving on to leads. Um, our boy Jesse Marsh, the only American manager in the Prem, I would give them, I would give them a two, uh, ditto as you would say. <laughs> Not really much to say about them. Pretty, pretty pedestrian start to the season. Um, if I would highlight one player, I would have to be Rodrigo. Uh, the Spanish striker has done really well for them this year. He's got ten goals and four assists, so kind of the main man this year. Um, I do expect them to take a, you know, a big step in the second half, though. I think they can finish up maybe around 12th or 13th, um, but definitely a disappointing start uh, first half of the season. All right, moving on with Leeds, or, uh, sorry, Leicester. Uh, they finished 8th last season. They're in 14th right now. I'm going to give them treading water, a 1 rating. I mean, when, when the two biggest names that come to mind are Madison and Jamie Vardy on the team and they're not performing to what they should be, you're always going to be in trouble. I mean, just compared to the team that they came up here with, with the, including Mares, Maguire, Conte, and then Madison and Vardy, that's that's a team. That's where they thrived. And, you know, they lose some of those names, and they're dropping. And I, I don't see them getting back on track anytime soon, to be honest. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to have a little bit of, I think, a fire sale in the summer, too. I think Yori Telemans, he's out of a contract, going to leave for free. Uh, personal terms possibly already agreed to with Arsenal, but that was all speculation during the first half of the, of the year. So we'll see what happens with Leicester, but I agree with you there, Kyle. Um, Nottingham Forest, another team uh, that came up from the championship. They won the EFL promotion playoff final versus Henderson Field. Um, I'm sorry, Huddersfield. Oh, Hunters, what? Hunters. I threw a sun in there because it just Hunters, sounded, it's Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Uh, they won that. <laughs> like, like, like milk that cow and it's Hudders. <laughs> Huddersfield. Christ. Huddersfield. Um, you know, I, I'm giving them a three because they are exceeding expectations, I believe, or, or meeting expectations rather. Uh, they went crazy with uh, buying players because they the only reason why they kind of won the e- EFL promotion playoff was because they all their players were loanees. 
So they did have a lot of gaps to fill. They've uh, spent the fifth most in the EPL so far with over 157 million euros spent on the transfer windows. They have some solid talent on the offensive with Morgan Gibbs-White and Brendan Johnson, uh, both of them playing very well this year. I think if these guys get into a streak or a stride, rather, I think they'll, they're going to make probably finish where they are right now in 13th place. Hopefully they'll get top 10 just for my future, but I think that's kind of sacked, but I think they'll finish right where they are in 13th or 12th place. Okay. Moving on to, <clears throat> excuse me, moving on to Palace. Um, this is where they're supposed to be. They're a three, meeting expectations. They are the 12th place team. You might as well just pencil them in for 12th before the season even starts. Everybody else is competing for the other 19 spots. They, <laughs> they have the most draws in the league. They're just the most, eh, team. I mean, I, I, you know I have a soft spot for them because I'm a big fan of, of Zaha, of Eberechieze, and also have to give a shout-out to Michael Elise, who, if you didn't see the, the United game, scored an absolute parlor of a free kick to tie that one up in stoppage time. Yeah, they're a, they're a tough team to, to really anticipate, right? You, you go into Crystal Palace and you're expecting a tough, gritty game. They're always playing to their opponent. They're never playing so much worse and they're never playing so much better. So they're always playing to their opponent, which makes it a very nervy game. Um, so I was glad I got the home, the uh, rather the away game done in the first game of the season. So now we play them at home at Emirates, but I would still be nervous about Palace. But going to 11th place, Kyle, you have Villa here. I do, and I have Villa in between a two and a three. So, I mean, three would be meeting expectations. I don't think they're meeting expectations yet. Yes, they were in 14th last year. Yes, they're in 11th right now. But with the names they have, the coaching ability, and the talent they have, I, I expect them to be in the top nine right now. So I'm going to put them one below meeting expectations. And, you know, I can see them doing better. I think Leon Bailey's finding his form. I think Emmy Martinez is a clown, <laughs> but other than that, he's the talented clown. So I can see them going up this table. Yeah, a lot of uh, I think heat from the World Cup behavior of Emmy has kind of uh, quelled a bit, and we haven't really heard his name pop up in a little bit. I think that might be a result of that. But it's kind of shocking that we're going to say it at this early at the bottom of the table. But Chelsea sitting at tenth place, I have them as a two. I've got a lot of twos out here, but this has got to be the most disappointing two. I really think they're probably they should be one treading water, but they're not because they're never going to tread water. They're never going to be in that jeopardy. It's just because they have an open checkbook. I mean, I have them as very, very disappointing with the number two, but you know, just to go back last year around this time, right after Christmas break, they were in second place and possibly was our only hope of a non-city. Uh, champion again. I mean, it, obviously it came down to the wire with, with Man City and Liverpool, but Chelsea in the beginning of the season was kind of our saving grace. Like, oh, maybe they can do it. Maybe they can take it away. So very disappointing this year. Um, I know that they have spent over 460 million euros now in the transfer market with two pickups just the past week. And they've only sold 56.5 million euros worth of players. So you guys can do the math at home, but that is a negative value of $400 million. So obviously that is spread over all the contracts of the player's time. But the biggest, the biggest spot, bright spot for this Chelsea program has got to be Mudrick. And I know we only saw him a little bit there, but this guy is going to be something special. Yeah, he is freaking rapid. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, we posted a, a picture of James Milner and uh, chasing Mikhailo Mudrik around. It looked like the roadrunner because that guy can absolutely fly. It's um, it's super exciting. Remarkable. So it, it's fun. I mean, obviously Trossard helped contribute to the, the game-winning goal, so you're happy with the start. But mm -hmm. just, you know, from a, a lover of football, you gotta you got to regret the fact that, you know, he's not playing for your team every day because that guy's fun to watch. He's going to be – he might be a problem for, for fullbacks in the league. For eight and a half years <laughs> and, and more. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I follow yeah. Shakhtar now just to hopefully see their downfall because he was their leading <laughs> goal scorer. So I, I do follow them now. But uh, Chelsea, very disappointing too. They have a ton of players, so I think it will be interesting to see who they offload in the upcoming season. I do not think as a Chelsea fan you have to hit the panic button. But I don't see you 
I don't see you in the Champions League next season. I don't. I see you maybe scraping, scraping by and getting Europa, but you can kiss your Champions League goodbye, and I'll hold you to it. Yeah. And Another close on one, Sean. Liverpool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool's got to be a one for me. Just disgusting performance the, the first half of the season. Um, I mean, there's floppy disks with, with more fucking structure than Liverpool right now. It's absolutely <laughs> disgusting to watch. Um, oh, don't hold back, Sean. No, I know. Sorry. It's going to be a bit of a rant here. This is just, a, you're, if you want me to summarize the whole first half, it's just disgusting, despicable, dreadful. Any more, you know, D's you want to throw in there? Um, I, I am confident that they can turn it around, hopefully with the return of, of Van Dyke looming Jota, who, I mean, I'd probably bet my, my left nut if he's playing in the Arsenal game, <laughs> he scores versus Arsenal and ruins your day. Absolutely. Um, as per usual. But, yeah, as to be expected. But And then Firmino as well. Hopefully when they get those guys back, they can make a push. But um, as you discussed with Chelsea, I think we're in a similar spot where those Champions League hopes are, are slowly slipping away. Is there any uh, chance of Diaz coming back this season? Late March is the rumor Late right March, now, so cause... it's going to be a while. They really need Gakpo to, to hit the ground running. I thought he, he actually had some some promising chances against Chelsea and got in the right spots, but um, still not, not completely acclimated, which is understandable. He only signed a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's tough to come in to a team that's not in form when you're in form yep. and expect to pick up where you left off. You know, when Diaz, and I love Diaz, when Diaz came aboard, Liverpool was flying. So it only yep. made the most sense to keep his momentum going and have the confidence from the surrounding players. So you, you see that. And, and unfortunately, Sean, I got to say, like, where is Mo Salah? Where is he? I haven't found him. Yeah. Uh, they have a missing person's report going around <laughs> in Liverpool. So it, that, that's been disappointing as well. You know, I'm a big Salah guy. Um, yep. He's usually right among the top goal scorers, and he's not even uh, second right now in Premier League goals for Liverpool. The first being Firmino, who hasn't played in a month and a half or two months. And then uh, the legend, Darwin Nunez. Yeah, that's it's brutal. Where do you see where do you see you guys finishing the season position-wise? I know you were in second. I think everyone knows that. We were all hoping for a championship Sunday being a, an absolute thriller, and it was. But unfortunately, you guys fell a little bit short there. Um, where do you guys see yourself staying this season? Yeah, I think it's, it's probably going to end up in the in the in the Europa League spots I I really think that obviously City and Arsenal are, are kind of in a class of their own um Man United the shortest title challenge of all time didn't even last five days but <laughs> but I I think that they're you know they, they'll probably get a spot and then it'll come down to one of Tottenham Brighton Liverpool I, I still think I still think it's possible but they're really gonna have to start turning around results quickly yeah they have so it. They, so. have, they have the chances. I think they have the highest chances created. They're in first yep. or second place in big chances created. But unfortunately, they're first in big chances missed. So if, like we said with uh, Nunez, if they just start going in, they're just going to start going in. So I'm, I'm hoping for a, a Liverpool resurgence for you there, Sean. Thanks. Kyle Brentford, eighth place. Who thought this was coming? Ugh, I mean, so I have them as a four right now, which is Wonder Kid. And that is because they have a Wonder Kid in Ivan Tony. The man is special. I mean, he goes in full force with everything he does. He's facing a six-month ban for 262 counts of breaching FA's betting rules. Not one. 262. I, I would love, love to see his record because it still is probably better than mine. And <laughs> crazy. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, just talking about his talent, he's at 13 goals so far. He's in third place behind Harry Kane and Erling Holland. And take away that Erling Holland freak year he's having, the winner last year for most goals in the season was Son and Salah. They split it at 23. Yeah. And Ivan Tony right now is on pace for 25. So that tells you exactly how good this guy is. He's, in, he's on Brentford. He finished 13th last year, and he's making a name for himself. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, yeah, I have them as a four. I don't see them slowing down. Tony, I hope you don't get suspended. I love your attitude about stuff. Where do you where do you think they're going to finish? We have them at eight um, right I'm, now, but I could see them going as high as six and breaching maybe Europa, maybe five. I mean, it's not like I see Chelsea, Liverpool. I don't think Spurs are going to stay that high, and Fulham. Who knows? You know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Another wonder kid. I have Fulham, who's next in seven. I have them as a four out of five as well. Uh, 
there's always, I like to hope or think, but the past couple of seasons, if you do go back, out of the three teams that get promoted from the championship, at least one of them exceeds expectations tremendously. And I was hoping it was going to be Nottingham Forest this year, but it appears that it is Fulham. And it makes sense. They have a, a team that's been together for a little while now. They gel. They have a lot of talent. Uh, their forward right now is is Mitrovic. He is fantastic. Um, disregard the penalty kick that he took last week. That would have possibly been one of the greatest wins of the season for them beating Newcastle, but they ended up losing that in a last five-minute loss uh, to Newcastle. But if he puts that PK away, you know we could be having a very different conversation right now. I still think it's a very bright spot. I think they're doing very, very well. I'm impressed with the, the the movement of the players that they have. They brought in William, who we all knew was a success at Chelsea, a fail at Arsenal, went back to a league in Brazil where he was from, uh, the Corinthians, and even they boot him out of his hometown stadium. So everyone thought this guy's career was done. And he says, no, I'm going to go back to London somehow. But hey, third time is the charm for a London team, and he's killing it on the left side. So he's doing very, very well. I think Fulham, I was kind of hoping that they would pull a win today against uh, a struggling Spurs, but I do think it's a bit of a tell that I don't see them going above the position that they're currently in. Not with the talent and the teams that are above them. I would be surprised if they hold on and finish seventh. I personally have these guys finishing at like ninth place. So they're going to drop, but I think they they are exceeding expectations. I think they're another wonder kid or a wonder club sitting with a rating of four. Yep, and then we got to bring it to your boys, Brighton, Tess. Um, probably for me, I think they're five. I think they're probably, other than Arsenal, the big winners of the first half of this season. Um, you know, they lose their manager in Graham Potter to Chelsea. They lose mm-hmm. their best player from last year, the player of the year in Mark Cucurella to Chelsea. Yep. And the team gets better under Roberto De Zerbi. Uh, the two guys that I highlighted, and we've mentioned both of them in the past couple episodes, uh, Evan Ferguson, the young Irishman, uh, classic number nine striker that Brighton really hasn't produced in, in several years. Um, good size. He's got uh, six goal contributions in his last five games. And he scored an absolute worldly of a header uh, to, to, to draw in their last match. Um, and then Matoma, obviously, our boy, scored a banger, cutting in off that left. Um, it was so, kind of, it was beautiful. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Oh, Gorgeous. man. Absolutely stunning. And it was funny because, you know, we were calling him Darwin Nunez saying that he's got no finish. <laughs> he's all Swedish, no finish. Uh, and then he, he, he cuts in and drops an absolute beauty of a curler. So I could see them finishing as, as, as high as fourth. I could also see them falling off a little bit. But I think they're going to end up in, in a European place, I think, probably in the five to seven, maybe conference league, which is still a huge step for Brighton. But I think it's definitely possible they could also finish in the top four. Just with the form that they're in, especially up front with, as we mentioned, uh, the two the two fellas of, of Ferguson and Matoma, but also Sully March uh, coming off that, that brace against Liverpool. They are a very dangerous team. We were saying it last week. I love them. If I was an Arsenal fan, maybe I'd go Gulls, but I, I, I love them. Now to my one of my least favorite teams there. Um, Kyle, take us away at fifth place Spurs. Squeaked one out today. So I have them as a three right now. I, I think they're just meeting expectations. They're in fifth right now. I mean, the two things they have going for them are that Liverpool and Chelsea are very out of form. Mm. So they might be able to hold on to that position, even though they're not in form, just, you know, clawing on Harry Kane's coattails. But, you know, with teams like Brighton and Fulham and Brentford really stepping up this year, I think it's going to be real hard to hold on to that, that fifth-place position right now. And I absolutely do not see them getting into Champions League soccer next year. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if you look at it, they have 40 goals for, and they have 31 goals against. Just out of the past five games, they have allowed four, I believe, of the opponents to score two goals or more out of the five games. It's like the lock of every week should be Tottenham to allow two or more goals. I mean, it's just it, their defense is, is Swiss cheese out there. And, Sean, I know you were saying before that they really need to kind of uh, reamp the back line. I mean, Dyer's oh, yeah. not him. But no. I was I was going to start on a high note with Spurs saying that they have 40 goals for, which is top three caliber, caliber, and 15 of those goals have come from Harry Kane. 
Uh, like you said before, Kyle, you get rid of uh, Holland and Kane's number one. Right now he's number two, but you know, as far as props to Tottenham, I'll give him I'll give him Kane. Which leads us to another team that I don't love talking about, but I have to give <laughs> a ton of credit to, and that's Manchester United. I, I give them a five. I think this is another place to be. If you asked me this at the beginning of the season, I would give them a two. They went on a bit of a, a, a monumental, historically bad start for Man U, and they have turned it around. It reminds me a lot of like Arsenal of last year that had a atrocious start, lost their first three games. Arteta out was, was ringing across the halls. But Manchester United, with Eric Ten Hag at the reins, took control. He came in. He said what he needed to say. He made himself the guy on this team because he is the coach. He's the gaffer, and he should be the one. He's pulling all the strings. He's revitalized Marcus Rashford's career after a, a good World Cup for him. And I have no, I have nothing bad to say about Man U, which pains me. And the game that we played against them yesterday was probably the game of the season at this moment that I was most terrified for. I mean, the whole entire first half, I, my, my hand was shaken in my nice leather recliner by the fireplace. Like I was <laughs> sweating because probably of the fireplace, but also sweating because of Rashford. I would have been profusively sweating if Casemiro didn't make a numb nuts tackle in the previous game against Crystal Palace and get himself yellow card. So I was singing from the rooftops about that, but you could tell how much they missed him. I really Definitely. think that that Arsenal, not to go back to that game because we're talking about Man U, I think Arsenal outplayed them tenfold. The two goals that they scored, yes, beautiful goals, great efforts from both players, but was from errors from Arsenal. And I'm not saying our goals were not from errors as well, but Thomas Partey gave up the goal to Rashford. And then Ramsdale and Tamiasu had a miscommunication in the back, which landed right to Martinez. But Man U is not done yet. I think 11 points off the top is a stretch, especially with City and Arsenal in form. But I think Manchester finished higher than Newcastle. I think they finished third. Going into to third place, Newcastle United. Um, the other oil club in, in, the, in the country we'll get to... Uh shortly after this, but <laughs> I, I think there are five. Um, you know, we knew that they were going to be improved. They finished last year in 11th, and obviously the influx of, of money fr from the Newcastle owners and the Saudi private investment fund, uh, bringing in Trippier, bringing in Bruno Guimaraes. But the guy who really stands out is someone who was already there, uh, Miguel Almiron, uh, used to be at Atlanta United in the MLS. Uh, he struggled his first couple of seasons in the Prem to the point that Jack Grealish was literally making fun of him on the City's parade last year. And now he's got nine goals. Um, so I, I would highlight him, but you also have to, to take note, they have the best defense in the league with 12 clean sheets. So uh, very impressive performance. I don't know if they finish third. I do think United probably passes them. But, you know, if you can't break that defense, they're not going to drop a lot of points. Um the only team to beat them this year was Liverpool on a corner kick in the last seconds. Um, to be honest, I think that they're trying to play like Atletico Madrid of, of the Premier League with just some some of the dark arts, um, some of the shithouse tactics, if you will. <laughs> you know, it seems like every single guy on the team has cramps whenever they're defending a lead or, or a tide. But, um, you know, and then when they're attacking, they're completely fine. It's, it's really weird how that works. But it's something um, in the water. I'm, I'm hoping that they fall off a little bit uh, because it'll be scary to see what they can bring in with, with Champions League funding um, this summer. I got to give a quick shout out to, uh, to our boy Tom. Uh, it's something that we like to say with Newcastle is they are so ahead of schedule, it's crazy. We knew it was coming, but they are so far ahead of schedule that I don't think anyone's expecting them to be this far ahead. <laughs> I mean, like, I have nothing else to say, but they're just ahead of schedule. It's crazy. And it's, it's fun. It's very exciting. I, I don't think they're the most exciting team to watch, but uh, they can be. They can be with a lot of the forwards that are finally back in health with Isaac uh, Isaac and uh, uh, Sir Maximan or Saint, Sir Saint Maximan um, back in, in full throttle there. So I think, I think they're going to be an exciting one to, to watch. But Kyle, take us to second place, Man City. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into detail with this, but I have them as a four right now. I mean, any team that if I bet $100 on them at the beginning of the season to win the Premier League, I would only win 35. I think the expectation is they're in first place. So I'm not going to give them a five. 
they're they're not winning right now, and they do not look like the team that they are. They've dropped way too many points since the break. So try to get back on pace, but they're a four in my mind. Yeah. But uh, one last thing, Sean, I know you love the XGs. You want to talk about Manchester City's? I don't know what 42.1 XGs means. <laughs> no, it means that it, it means they're creating a lot of chances, which uh, is kind of to be expected. You know, when you look at Man City for the last several years, and you touched on it earlier, they have the top six passers in the league um, in terms of the pass completion and most passes. So obviously they're going to control the ball and create a lot of chances. And then when you get Holland in the in in tight, you know, probably the most clinical finisher on the planet at the moment. So. Um, definitely look out for them. I still think it's you know I still think they're going to win the league until Arsenal beats them head to head. I know you don't want to hear it, James, but until Arsenal beats them head to head, I still think it's City's. It's going to be City's title. But I'm starting to become more of a more believer. Um, very assertive performance of the weekend from the Gunners. I, I, those last minute goals, the one the Arsenal scored, those are the ones that win you titles. Yeah, you need the win, you score. I think Absolutely. we'll be coming back to Eddie and Ketia maybe the moment of the season against Man U. I did want to give Man City a little bit more credit than I think, Kyle, that you're putting out there. Just so you know, and it's not all Holland, but this is all Holland. Holland has more goals than the entire team of Chelsea, Austin Villa, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Everton, Forest, Bournemouth, Wolves, and Southampton. Those are <laughs> full-on teams. He has 25 goals, and they are more than all the teams I just listed. So if, if you get rid of Holland, I don't know what happens. You probably just put uh, Alvarez up top, and you'll probably be fine too. But I, I think Man City I is know. Man City's I intimidating I don't still. I don't think you can just replace a player like Holland. Oh, no, you, you know? can't. I'm not saying you can replace him. But you can, definitely, you can definitely make a run still with, like you said, the Maybe squad you that you have. Maybe bring back Kun Aguero out of retirement. <laughs> I think we'll all remember that moment. Aguero! Insane. Aguero. All right, so that's oh, no, that's not it. We have one team left. I guess it's the first. <laughs> I guess it's Man. the first place team. You're shameless, <laughs> and that is a big fat five out of five for Arsenal. I think everyone was expecting them to do better than they did last year because we have the youngest team in the Premier League, because we are exciting, because we have one of the best coaches in the Premier League. Uh, you know, thanks to Pep and his his tenure at. At, um, at City, as well as just his performance as an Arsenal player with Mikel Arteta, the third handsomest Spaniard I know, the third handsomest Spaniard I know. And I, I just have nothing bad to say about the Arsenal. And they are just proving time and time again that they are not someone to be trifled with, that they are not what the pundits think that they are, is, is a lucky season. I think we're going to see this team for at least five more years being in this Champions League competition. And if that's the case, they'll be attracting a lot more higher up players, higher profiles. You know, I think this this team, this system, this process is working for Arsenal. I mean, they have the most points at a halfway point for any Arsenal team ever. That's out that's beating the invincible season. They have the young squad out there. They have the second highest XGs with 38.4. I mean, just to say that you have 50 points at the halfway mark is extremely impressive. And to be honest with you, if you go down their roster, I am picking their starters over 95% of the league starters in almost every single position. I think 95 is a high number, and that's biased. I think it's probably more like 75%, but they are filling each role perfectly in each situation. And I think this weekend's game was a perfect example of the fact that we're gaining more depth. If you were to ask me, who our substitutes were last year, I would tell you who they are, but you wouldn't know who they are. Our substitutes this year can come onto the pitch now and actually perform at the same level that we're coming off. And it was a great example to show you with Trussard this weekend. Great acquisition comes in for Martinelli, who's a great player, performs really well. We get the win. We had an issue with Ben White, whether he was ill, he wasn't performing well, maybe picked up a knock during the first half. He comes off at the first, he comes off at halftime, and Tamiyasu, who's a Japanese international center back, goes to fill the right spot 
and and performs just as well as Ben Whitewood, who I think, and you guys might correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Ben White is top three right backs in the league. I mean, he just keeps it on lock. He's not a winger like you're going to have your Reese James or your Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I think is number one, Sean. So you got that on me. But I think Ben White is is top three, and I just think Arsenal is the spot and the team to be. So this is one happy Arsenal fan today. So you sure you're done talking about him? No, no, I'm not. But I'll stop recording. And I'll keep going for an hour in the mirror later. <laughs> But uh, that is our halfway hopes and horrors. Hopefully we didn't shit on your team too much. And hopefully we gave your team more props than they probably deserve. But I hope you liked our takes on it. Always a fun time with Sean and Kyle. Um, and that's the, that's the wrap, guys. We'll come back in a second for a really quick uh, end of the week wrap and what to look forward to next week. Uh, but that's our halfway hopes and horrors. I mean, last thing I just want to get in there is I did say last week that Everton, their only chance would be to retain <laughs> And four or five days later, he's gone. So, so, you know what? They're about to have their reckoning. It's coming. There's Hot no chance. take. That's the take guy. You know, they're, they're only going to survive if they have Frank Lampard. And then That's every, it. Our one I mean, listener maybe if in the they UK got Steven Gerrard. <laughs> one of the two. Well, and, I think know, we for can. For those of you that listen to me, my yeah. bet was stupid. Yeah, I think we <laughs> yeah. can say that was a horror of a comment. But. <laughs> We'll we'll keep them coming, pal. We'll keep them coming. Overall, another great week for EPL State of Mind and the Premiership. A lot of fun games. A lot of fun games in the future. Unfortunately, we are on an off weekend this weekend, so there are no Premiership games. But make sure you check out the Carabao Cup. We got Man U versus Forest and Southampton versus Newcastle. So we'll see who turns out there. But as far as the EPL state of mind goes, we're signing off at our second episode. Keep listening in those 18 countries that are not the U.S. of A. We appreciate you. We look forward to keeping you through the rest of the season. Everyone enjoy the weekend off. We'll catch you next week with a special.